Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. There we go. Okay, so we're talking about baptism, and it's uh, just really good to take some time every now and then to just sort of thoroughly review uh, something like this. Uh, especially when we're two churches coming together and there's often newcomers uh, in the midst and there's probably new folks on the stream. Happy to see you guys as well. Uh, and we come to uh, this word baptism with all kinds of different thoughts in our heads, all kinds of different images in our heads. And what we want to do is sort of take those things, uh, bring them together and see what we're about as a community as we, as we talk about this, what we mean by it and what we want to learn by it and what the experience is meant to be for us. Um, for some of you, uh, when you think about baptism, you'll have an image image like that in your head. Maybe some of you have a Catholic background or an Anglican background or, or one in, a, in another uh, liturgical church like that where they would believe in infant baptism. Uh, that's not where we're at on that subject. We would believe in baptism by immersion, something that happens when you're an adult. We'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe uh, you come, probably not very many of you would come from an Orthodox background, but they baptize infants, but at least they baptize them in immersion and they baptize them in a whole can, it looks like a can, actually, but uh, they would call it a ewer, and they would baptize uh, kids like that. Uh, Grown-ups would also be baptized in the church in something similar uh, to that in the Orthodox uh, tradition. And then there's, uh, you know, this thing about baptism in maybe even more extreme ways. I'm going to show you just a super fast video of um, baptism in the ice. And I believe this is a baptism that took place in, uh, in Russia, so sort of an underground, outside of the traditional uh, Orthodox church. Um, anybody want to try that one? <laughs> Mississippi Lake is wide open, and we got some chainsaws to make a nice hole, you know? Like, any, anybody want to sign up for extreme baptism? Right? Uh, but what that speaks to is this incredible commitment of that community to baptism by immersion, baptism in water. And Lord bless that, uh, that girl who was baptized. Uh, for us, you know, we get a nice warm swimming pool. This is a, a I'm sorry, we've lost that. Oh, we've lost everything. Um, okay, well, maybe Chris, there we go. Um, for, for us, we've often baptized people in a swimming pool. We baptize people in the Mississippi River. This is our congregation, and if you could zoom in closely there, you would see Chloe, one of our worship leaders today, was baptized there, Abigail and Amelia, and I don't know what's happening here. It's, it's the it, it, it is not the Apple product. <laughs> it really isn't. Anyway, Christina can take over if we have that problem continue. Um, we've actually baptized, you know, we met in the um, high school, and we would baptize people in uh, a feeding trough, in a watering trough that we set up a stage for uh, so that we could have them, have them in there. And this is Liz. Where's Liz? Let's wave at us. This is Liz's baptism where we uh, all baptized uh, together. Um, I want to echo what Pastor Ivan said, that when we believe in baptism, it's something that is a symbol of what has already been accomplished uh, by faith. It's not baptism that saves us. Uh, by faith, we're united with Christ. Baptism reenacts it. Uh, in Colossians 2.12, it says this, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith. 
Uh, there's that idea that what is uh, happening in baptism is a symbol of something that has already happened uh, through faith. Um, we can't really know that we've been raised from the dead yet, right? That's something that is about to happen. That's something that's going to happen. But we have faith that that's going to happen, and so we act it out in baptism. Um, and then I think the other important thought for us, again, here's Liz, as she's come out of the water smiling, and everybody's applauding and excited to have seen that happen. Um, we recognize that we, we, the reason that we do that, the reason we do baptism by immersion, is because uh, that's actually what the word baptism means. That word baptizo in the Greek, it actually means to immerse, and there are different words that could be used for sprinkling. So we don't want to offer any disrespect to other bodies, to our Roman Catholic friends, our Anglican friends, but we would say that baptism is something that you choose to enter into uh, as an adult, it's something that's an expression of your faith. It's you enacting something that you know that has happened in your heart. And the most accurate way to portray that uh, baptism, to portray that identification with the death of Christ as we go down into the water, and that identification with his resurrection is by uh, putting somebody physically under the water and having them come forward. Um, and we see that it just, just to make further case for baptism by immersion, you, that's what you see happening in the New Testament. You see with Philip and the Ethiopian, when they were baptized, it said, hey, there's enough water there. Let's go down into the water. And so they went down into the water. They didn't send somebody with a bucket. Uh, Philip's understanding of baptism was that they should be baptized in water. And then you see John's baptism in John chapter 3, um, baptism happening in Anon near Salem. And it says because there was plentiful water there. So they chose places to do baptism uh, where there was enough water to immerse people. So uh, just a little thought for you. I'm going to get a little bit more into the meaning of baptism in just a few moments. But uh, if you are coming from a tradition where you were baptized as an infant um, and it wasn't really your choice, it wasn't really something that you entered into uh, as an act of your own will, as an act of your own faith, um, we would be very, very comfortable with you saying, you know, I really trust in my parents' faith. I, I trust that that was something real that happened. I'm, I'm okay with that. But if you are wanting to say, yeah, you know what? I didn't really own that. Uh, I know I've been baptized, but I really want to own it. I really want to make the decision to do that. We would be really honored to baptize you here as well um, and have you immersed in water and, and all of that. But we'll, we'll talk through some more of the meaning of that as we go. Uh, in inviting our, our congregations to baptism, uh, one of the things that, that I wanted to sort of wrestle with is, can, can we kind of identify the essence of it? Can we identify the essence of baptism? Like, like what is the core idea? What is the central uh, idea? I mean, there are key areas of meaning, like there's a constellation of meanings. There's the idea of washing. There's identifying with the death and the resurrection of Jesus. There's this commitment to obedience. There's something of the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And there's a large collection of those sort of ideas that are really important. But what is the thread that runs through them? What is, what is it that this idea of taking yourself, presenting yourself publicly before a body and saying, with everybody watching, with everybody looking on, I'm going to let a minister or an elder uh, take me into the water and, and I'm going to proclaim my faith in Jesus publicly and I'm going to submerse myself in that water and I'm going to come up. Well, what, what is the, why is the public nature of that important? Why, why is it a, a statement that I'm making? What is that all about? 
And what, uh, what, what seemed like it was really important as you look at it, look at all of those meanings, all of those ideas, and you think about the public nature of the expression of them, is that uh, I think we could say this about baptism, is that baptism is the act by which we signal an intentional laying down of our identity to take up the identity of Jesus. Baptism is intentionally signaling that we are laying down our identity. We are laying down something of who we are, and we are taking up the identity of Jesus. We are associating ourselves with that person, Jesus. We are associating ourselves with Christianity. And it's that question of identity that I think is is really important. You know, we invest a lot of time and energy in our identities, in trying to understand who we are as people. How many of you have taken like personality tests, one or two of them before? I've, I've taken a few. Uh, I've taken Myers-Briggs and I'm an ENTP. I've taken Colby and I'm a 3393. I've taken DISC and I'm dominant and inspiring. Um, I've taken uh, the Enneagram. Uh, how many of you have done the Enneagram? A lot of you are probably familiar with that. I've done uh, a PD or PCDP score. Uh, I did a random web, web inkblot test just for the fun. Once anybody do anything like that, like where you like look at a Warshock thing and you put your response to it and it tells you all about who you are as a person. That's crazy time. Uh, or I've done like a, a Clifton Manager's assessment, right? Uh, we want to understand who we are. We want to understand how we operate. We want to understand how we function, how we lead. And I found out that in terms of my identity, I am an ENTP 3393 DI3WEX98 and on and on. Uh, and that last test, that Clifton test, sees me as a strategic person who is all about ideation, um, who's a communicator, and that test says I really have some woo. <laughs> and I, I don't even know what woo is. Some sort of intuitive ability to connect with people and relate to them and understand. Uh, but our, our identity, you know, when we look at those things, it's like taking uh, the thing about you, the thing about your personality, that if you transport that into another context, it remains the same, right? You are, you are one person, and if you go to this other place, you're still that same person, you present yourself that way, and you're still the same person if you go to the grocery store, and you're still the same person when you go to work. But what are the things about you that are the same when you're in all of those different con? Context and we we work really hard to try to understand that, try to understand our personality. Um, uh, the thing about it, though, is is when you look at something like all of this leadership coaching, you know, fifty percent of what you learn in leadership coaching is about the amazing things about you that you want to capitalize on. But any good leadership coach knows that they want to work on the fifty percent of the things that you're not so hot at that uh, are the things that can bite you in the butt, your, your shadow side, right? So our identities are complex. There's the beautiful thing about you, and then there's the part about you that, um, that, that is our shadow side that we don't really understand well, and we have to work really hard on those things. We can go to the next slide, yeah. We, we work hard at, at putting together the puzzle, at trying to understand ourselves, to understand our shadow side. We know that, that our identity isn't just the good things about our personality. You know what your temptations are. You know what your struggles are. 
You know what your doubts are and your fears are. Uh, and you know what your stories are. You know what's happened to you that has shaped you. Uh, you know what's happened to you that has caused you to begin behaving in a certain way. You know the areas in which you've fallen into sin and you've disappointed others and you've disappointed God. And so when you take your identity uh, from place to place, you're not just taking the beautiful things about you, you're taking the difficult things about you and trying to understand them and trying to understand your own behaviors. That becomes, some of you know, that's quite a project to, to figure all of that stuff out. But then we add to it another layer of complexity because what we understand about ourselves as people, uh, our identities, we, we really know who we are, but do you really want to present yourself to others exactly as you are? Or do you alter things about yourself and the way you present yourself uh, in order to present a different identity than your real identity to the world outside? Right? We, we use brands to do that. You could look at uh, my personal identity and say that I, I, I want to, you know, we look at these things. These are things that I like. Uh, you know, here I've got my Yeti mug. Like this thing, you could drive over this with a truck, my ramp truck, <laughs> and it would still be there. It would still be strong. Like I think probably a great waste of stainless steel for me to carry around my coffee in this. But it's a brand that speaks to strength and solidity. Same with durable Carhartt clothing and strong Blundstone boots and uh, Apple computers that are very reliable and never have problems with projection on a Sunday morning. <laughs> um, these are all things that we take on. Sometimes it's the clothes you wear, it's what you share about your, your vocation. All of these different things are, are part of how you you present yourself to the world, how you present your identity to those around you. We think about our church and our church's identity. You know, Ottawa Valley Community Church used to be called, all, called Ottawa Valley Vineyard. And we said, no, we don't want to present ourselves as a denominational church. We want to present ourselves as a Christian church. So we debranded the denomination out of our church because we didn't want uh, to be known that way. We wanted to be known as uh, primarily something that is centered around Jesus. That's a, I, I think for us, was a positive way of altering our identity and presenting ourselves a little bit to the world. But we take all of those things and we, we put them together uh, to craft an identity for ourselves. And that's actually something that we kind of resonate with as people. That's something that we want to see happen. You can look at some really pithy bumper stickers or some pithy statements that you'd see in memes on the internet. Accept no one's definition of your life, but define yourself. Doesn't that sound like, yeah, that's kind of like Braveheart moment. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be defined by those evil English. We're going to be Scottish. Like, we're going to define ourselves. Uh, I'd rather die my way than live yours. Doesn't that sound like tough? Like, that sounds, that sounds, we kind of resonate with that. That's right. I'm a strong, independent individual. I'm going to take my identity. I'm going to present it to the world, and everybody's going to accept that, and that's who I'm going to be. The only person you are destined to become is the person you yourself decide to be. We are people who uh, want to take our identity and craft it and present it by ourselves for ourselves, and we want that to be uh, really clear. We don't want anybody else doing that for us. But in this world, 
that experience of having to craft our identity and to be our own person and to make our own selves also results in tremendous confusion. I could go into a doctor's office and if I articulate things in a certain way or if I'd articulated things in a certain way, uh, you know, even 20 or 30 years ago, um, utter a certain thing as a patient to a doctor about my identity or about my sexuality and the doctor would say, okay, there's a disconnect between who you are physically and there's a disconnect between who you are mentally. The solution is to help you mentally um, bring your feelings and your thoughts into alignment with your body and what it is. But if we did that in this culture, if, if somebody comes to a doctor in this culture and says, I'm struggling with my identity and who I am, the physician would be much more likely in, in our time to say, you know what, who you've said you are, who you feel you are, who you self-determined to be, is who you are, so let's alter your body uh, to make you fit who you think you are, who you feel like you are internally. And so this pressure to determine who we are, this pressure to uh, present our own identities, to own our own identities, to generate them internally, uh, creates uh, for us tremendous confusion. And the reality is that none of the things that we do uh, to shape our identities and solidify them actually provide any lasting security or comfort or satisfaction for us. If you look at those brands that, that I would present myself with, remember, I've got a Yeti now, but I had a Nalgene before. Well, Nalgene was canceled, so now I have a Yeti. Um, you know, Blundstone boots are not going to last as a brand forever. Uh, my Ram truck is going to break, and clearly my Apple product has let me down today. <laughs> right? These things aren't things that are solid enough to anchor us. They change, and culture shifts and moves around us. So that when we present ourselves in a certain way to culture when we're young, we try to present ourselves in that way later on in life, uh, we, we become out of sync, we come, become out of step with culture, and we, and we feel tension, and we feel angst around that. So that ultimately doesn't work, and we certainly can't trust our feelings because our feelings sway back and forth and back and forth. We feel one thing one day, we feel another thing another day. Internally, emotionally, we're incredibly confused. So this pressure to generate and create identity for ourselves is, is ultimately an impossible task. And what baptism does for us, what baptism says for us in, in all of its aspects is that there is an identity that you are intended to carry that is beyond yourself. There is an identity that you are meant to have, that you are given by Jesus, that is meant to be something that is solid, that is meant to be something firm, that is meant to be something enduring, that is meant to be something beautiful, and meant to be something glorious. So that you are no longer a ship tossed by the waves of the sea, ready to be sunk and wounded and broken in any moment. There is an identity that you are meant to carry, the identity of Christ that is meant to hold you fast. And so as we look at the various aspects of baptism, I want us to be thinking about that. Am I taking on, or when I was baptized, did I take on in a fulsome way the identity of Jesus? 
and the personhood of Jesus and what, what he's accomplished means for me. I'm going to read a kind of a, uh, I'll just read it once. I don't mean for us to sort of memorize this or digest it all, but it's just a simple statement uh, on baptism that I've sort of woven together from a few other things. Um, and and I, just, I just want to look at this as a definition of baptism, and we're just going to unpack the elements of it. But I wanted to read it all together. Uh, let, let me just read this. Baptism is an ordinance from Jesus, and I'll unpack what I mean by ordinance, by which those who have repented and come to faith are immersed in water. It expresses our need to be cleansed. Through it, we identify with him and what he accomplished through his death and resurrection. It is done in the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the Godhead. It is a sign of identification with the name of Jesus and entry into the body of Christ. It signifies the death of the old life of sin and unbelief and a new life of faith empowered by the Holy Spirit. Why don't you guys just read that with me, and let's just let that soak in our hearts. Can you read this with me? Baptism is an ordinance from Jesus by which those who have repented and come to faith are immersed in water. It expresses our need to be cleansed. Through it, we identify with him and what he accomplished through his death and resurrection. It is done in the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is a sign of identification with the name of Jesus and entry into the body of Christ, signifying death to the old life of sin and unbelief and a new life of faith empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism means. We're just going to unpack that uh, piece by piece. First thing I want to bring us to is that baptism is an ordinance. Uh, baptism is a standing order. Baptism is something that Jesus has ordered. It is something that he has commanded. And it's not just something that he commanded once. It's something that he commanded for his disciples in their time period. Uh, when we read Matthew chapter um, uh, three, uh, we see what, you know, we talked about this in communion. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him by saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. This is something that Jesus himself felt like the scriptures and the Father had ordered him to do. This is necessary for me to fulfill righteousness. This is necessary for me to fulfill all obedience. And we see in Christ, God, very God, creator of the universe, that he walked and he lived a life of obedience to the Father. It said when he was praying, when he was doing miracles, he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. Right? Jesus lived a life of obedience to the Father. And so he said, it is proper for me to do this. And we saw the fulfillment of uh, the Levitical law in it. His taking up his role as the great uh, high priest, him signaling that he was going to walk in that, and he was going to walk in that role. 
Jesus walked in it. Even though he didn't need to be baptized, he didn't need to be cleansed, there was something simply about the act of obedience. And the question we come to is if he saw it as something that was necessary for him, Jesus, the creator of the universe, perfect and pure and holy, who lived a sinless life, if he saw baptism as something that was necessary for him, who in the world am I to say it's not necessary for me? So we come to baptism humbly and say, Jesus, we love you. We want to worship you. We want to imitate you. If you did this, then I must also do this thing. I must obey. And he goes at the end of his story before he's taken up to heaven when he meets with his disciples and he gives us this command to go and make these disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Baptism is an ordinance that he has given to the church for us to walk in from now until the end of the age, from now forever, uh, from now until he comes again. That with Christians for 1,000, 2,000 years before us and until he comes again, we are to continue this. We are to be baptized as a sign of our discipleship with Christ. So will you consider obeying him in that and and wrestling with what that means in terms of your identity wrestling with what that means baptism is not a recognition or is a recognition that our right identity isn't self-determined our right identity isn't something we determine for ourselves but it's a response to a demand from something external Right, Jesus identified with baptism. He entered into it as a response to something that God was calling him to do. There's something external that drives him. It wasn't a self-determined thing that Jesus decided that he just needed to do to add some nice thing to his life. And that's not what baptism is for us either. Baptism isn't us saying, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm a hockey player and I'm a pastor and I'm a, uh, I'm a worker and I'm a student and I'm all of these things. Oh, yeah, and I'm also baptized. It, I'm also a Christian. It's not something you add to your identity. It, it, it's something that actually frees you from that need to self-determine. It looks to your life and says, my life needs something external. My life needs something to anchor me beyond myself. My life needs a voice that is calling me to something. My life needs a voice to follow. My life needs a North Star. It needs something to help me determine and to understand who I am. Uh, those of you who, have, uh, who are maybe a little older, how many of you remember before you had a GPS on your phone and you were trying to drive somewhere new? <laughs> Do you remember the uncertainty and the strangeness of that? Right, I, I drove up to Elliott Lake last week and I, I did not worry about the road at all, like complete confidence in the GPS that was going to take me right to the address. I entered the data in my GPS, you know, hundreds of kilometers before I arrived there, and I did not fret once about the question of whether I was going to arrive at my destination. Because I know that there are satellites up there, and they know exactly where I'm at on the planet, and they're going to give me the exact data that I need to make the turn at the right corner that I need to make to arrive at my destination at the predicted time. 
And if any of you remember driving before you had a GPS, I remember when we, when we used to have baptisms at Brent and Krista's place, I remember on Whippoorwill Road there, um, out in the country near Franktown, I used to, now I put in the address and people just put in their GPS and boom, they're there. When I first started doing that, when we first started doing baptisms out there, like my list of instructions of where to get from downtown Carlton Place to Brent's house was like with a map and it was with this long and all the turns. And be sure you don't turn left instead of right when you get to the T at Cuckoo's Nest Road because if you go right, left, you're going to be attacked by dogs that are there. Right? Because there's these two crazy dogs that his neighbor had and they like come up to the window of your vehicle while you're trying to turn around, you realize you're in the wrong spot. Right? We, we, we are, our lives are like that. We're trying to navigate by our own set of instructions that we've kind of tried to write for ourselves. Uh, baptism, uh, accepting the leadership of Jesus, accepting that Jesus is someone that we are meant to obey, is like giving ourselves a GPS. He directs us where he wants us to go, and we have, can have confidence that we'll arrive where he wants us to arrive in the right time. Because he generously provides that leadership for us. And it's not only uh, identity that is not self-determined, but a response from a something, not a vague something. It's a response to a someone. That voice that is calling us, that voice that has programmed our GPS, uh, that external leadership that we receive from Jesus isn't just coming uh, from some vague force that's out there. It's coming from a person. It's coming from uh, Jesus. And, and, and what we mean when we say we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is that we are identifying with the authority of these persons. Baptism is something in it. When we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, what it means is that we are appealing to that authority. We are appealing to those persons. We are asking them to be present. We are asking the Holy Spirit to come personally and guide us to infuse the moment of our baptism with meaning that is going to stick with us, that is going to last with us, that we are going to endure with, that we are going to carry with us into our future. It's identifying with those persons, with those real people. And again, what freedom we have when we receive the guidance of those trusted, beautiful people, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who we know from the character of Jesus revealed in the scriptures and the heart of the Father revealed to us that they are voices that we can trust and that they are authorities that we can trust. And so when we're baptized, we're letting the world know that, and we're reminding ourselves that these people are our leaders and that we trust them. Uh, the other thought about baptism is that baptism uh, symbolizes, it is about our cleansing, and it's about repentance. Uh, Peter said to them, this is Peter talking to the people in the, in the book of Acts immediately after this amazing sermon, you know, 3,000 added to their number in that day. He sort of explained to them, you know, they come to him, what, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. So baptism is a recognition, again, us coming to the Lord and saying, we needed to be cleansed. We needed to be 
washed. We needed a clean slate in life. First uh, Peter 3, 1, this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from your body, but a pledge of a clear conscience toward God. How many of you know that one of the identity pieces that we often carry with us is an identity that has come from our sinful behaviors and our sinful patterns in our lives? How many of you know that from an identity perspective, those are some of the hardest things for us to leave behind? Oh man, I failed the Lord in this way. I'm going to remember that failure uh, forever. This, this is going to mark me. People are going to see me this way. How do I walk past uh, this, this sin pattern? How do I walk past this? How do I keep myself from, from repeating the sin pattern again and again and again? Well, baptism is a reminder to you. It's a symbol to you that Jesus accomplished justification for you. He justified you. That sin that you felt like weighs you down and ties you down and sticks with you and is a part of who you are. When you're baptized, you're reminding yourself that no, he has washed that. He has cleansed you. He has taken that away. He has swept it aside and it is left behind. And you don't need to walk in those patterns anymore. They are not who you are. There's something of washing by water and physically bringing ourselves under the water that reminds us of that powerful work here. Moment of baptism, you look at your life and look at it forward and say, you know, I have a clean slate before God. A new identity can be written. I become a new person. Uh, baptism is identification, identifying with the accomplishments of Christ. And this is really the core, this is the central meat of the meaning of baptism is, is this, and I'll just read this text from Romans 6. You who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. You were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection with his. Amen. If we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. It's taking the work that Jesus accomplished objectively. Objectively, he accomplished a sacrifice to pay for your sins when he died and he took those sins uh, into the grave. They were paid for. Your sins were paid for by Jesus. He died the death that you should have died. Understand that? He died the death that we deserved. We should have been on a cross. For the sins that you and I have committed, for the ways that we have hurt others, for the life that we have stolen from other people, for the lies that we've told, for the resources that we've hoarded, for all of our selfishness and bitterness and brokenness, you and I owe a debt. A debt that we cannot repay. 
And so Jesus, when he died, he died the death that we should deserve, that we deserved. He took our punishment upon himself. He died the death that we deserve so that we could live his life, his resurrected life. And so baptism is you saying it's absolutely true. I can't die for my own sins, but I absolutely need to attach myself to, identify with, take on board, grasp a hold of, own the death that Jesus died so that I can receive the benefit, so that I can receive the life that he offers, the resurrection that he accomplished. It's taking that work of Jesus and claiming it for your own publicly. It's saying to the world, Jesus died for my sins and I am about to experience life everlasting because of what he has done. I cannot do it myself. I could not accomplish it. I'm saying to you, world, hey, I did not save myself. I could not save myself. Watch me go in the waters of baptism and know that it was Jesus. Know that anything good in my life is from Jesus and not from me. And any good that is about to come out of my life, any resurrection life that is about to flow out of me, that is because of what he has done for me because of what he has accomplished for me. He gets all of the praise and he gets all of the glory because I have died. And I only live by him and by his word and what he's done. We identify. And, and, and we just need to know, you need to know that you cannot experience resurrection life without having experienced Christ's death. You cannot have one without the other. You have to let go of that old identity, that old self, that old person, and let that person die and signal that you wanted that person to die so that you can receive the new life that's coming for you. You have to let something go to have new life inside. You simply can't have both. And our baptism symbolizes that. Baptism is also being identified by a new name. It's being identified by a new name. Like, what's your name? Ian, Amber, John, Kathleen, Jason. Those are your names. But, but when we're baptized, we're saying that there is another name that we wish to be known by. There is another name that we want to be identified by. When I go into the grocery store, when I go into my workplace, when I go into uh, the hockey arena, when I go wherever I go, I don't want to be known just as me. I don't want to be known just as my identity. I don't want to be known just as my personality. What I want people to see is Jesus. What I need them to see is Jesus because my identity is broken. My identity is sinful. My identity is confusing. My identity is, is all kinds of a mess. But I want people to see something beautiful. I want people to see something good. And so we see that. that the people were, are baptized, you know, 
out of whatever religion they were in, baptized out of paganism, baptized out of everything. It says, uh, on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of Jesus. Uh, when, when they realized that they had only John's baptism, no, we need to be baptized into the name of Jesus. Uh, for all of you who are baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. Like, what are you wearing? What name are you wearing? What logo is on your shirt? Is it Jesus that people know you by, or is it Carhartt, or Yeti, or Blundstone, Nike, or wouldn't it be better if we were clothed in Jesus? Wouldn't that be something that people could see? Isn't that a brand that there can be trust in? Like, I mean, our world doesn't understand, our world doesn't know. Uh, when we say Jesus, people have all kinds of crazy images about it. But regardless of what people think about Jesus, who is he? He is the creator of the universe, the savior of our souls. Uh, his brand means kindness and truth and justice and love and miracles and healing and salvation and generosity and wisdom. Is that not a brand we want to be associated with? In Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Will you, I know we're ashamed. I know that we're embarrassed sometimes. I know we don't like to admit that we're Christians. I know that sometimes in our marketplace, Christians have a bad name, but we actually need to be identified as Christians and walk out who he is and be who he is to the world. Will we wear that name and wear it? With integrity. In Acts 5.41, it says this, they left the presence of the council. They, the Christians there had been persecuted, then been dragged before the Sanhedrin, uh, and then been raked over the, call, the coals. And this is what the early Christians said. Uh, they, when they left the presence of the council, they were rejoicing that they were worthy, that they were worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Oh, I wish I was worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. I wish my life was so identified with him that people could dishonor me. I wish people could see enough of him in me that I would feel like a threat to them. Not a threat to hurt them, not a threat to wound them, but a threat to the Antichrist in our society, the Antichrist in every person. Wouldn't it be good if you walked into the grocery store and people said, there's something about you that's shining. And you could say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the brightness. And baptism is identity and identification with a new community. It's entering into a new family. I know this is a lot. This is just a ton of content. And, and I, I know I'm just hitting you with thing after thing, but I want us to just feel the weight of the meaning of this. Like baptism is so important. Uh, Paul expresses like this to the church in Corinth, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Right? Baptism is entry into the body of Christ. 
It's belonging to a new family, belonging to a community, belonging to people who will see you in church on Sunday morning and say, I can see there's something going on there. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to care for them. I, I could stand up and say that I'm wrestling with this pain in my life, and I know that that body would hit their knees and care for me. If I get a diagnosis that I, that I can't deal with, I know that if I raise my hand and if I tell the pastor and as we gather some people, those people are going to pray, they're going to care for me, they're going to lay hands on me. It's identification with a new family. If you are sick and you can't make meals for yourselves, this family will operate the meal train and we will feed you. We are a new family. And it doesn't matter what you look like, neither Jew nor Greek nor slaves nor free, your gender doesn't matter. You can enter into the family of God, be known by them, and be known by Him, His body, and be committed to Him. And this is something that you are joining billions of people in over thousands of years. It's a really big family. And then the last thought, and we see this uh, in, in the text a number of times, that identification with Jesus is often followed by empowered proclamation. So we saw this in Jesus' ministry, Matthew 3. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And then Jesus' ministry began in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter, in Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And he continues on to say, And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, 5 and 6, on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. This new identity that you wear is not an identity that you wear uh, that is powerless. It is not an identity that you wear that you are uh, a weak, meek, little thing that can barely hold that Jesus flag up. You are meant to walk out the proclamation of this new identity with the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming to the world with his strength that you're a child of God. And so, who wants to be baptized? <laughs> Like, and if you have been baptized, I hope you understand the incredible rich meaning of it. And if you haven't been baptized yet, if you've been just sitting on your hands, if maybe you've slipped between the cracks, um, if you're online, listen, if you're online, you cannot be baptized online. <laughs> you have to come for this. And to enter into the body of Christ, you have to put on a mask and do whatever it is that you need to do. But this is something that our faith is embodied in, something that it has walked out in. And we want to invite you to come and to proclaim your commitment to Jesus, your identification with him, and to come and be baptized. Next week would be a really good week to come to church. Will you, if you haven't been baptized, will you weigh this. This is so rich and so important. And will you tell your friends and will you teach your children? 
about this? If you were baptized as an infant and you didn't own it, would you consider owning it? The worship team can come ahead. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca. Thank you.